Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, yay is, I think, kind of how, uh, like, a, like a, a subdued yay. That, that's how I describe the, yeah. uh, the win of the Grizzlies. And that was a that, that's, 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 that that's was a, a must win. Yeah, and that's how we're gonna gonna start this uh, podcast here. Is a subdued yay from Tara for the uh, <laughs> win over the Grizzlies. Oh, are you saying are we rolling? Oh yeah, we're rolling. Oh well, hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazers Edge Podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. You can find us on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tara Bowen Biggs, and I am joined as usual by Blog Boy. Blazers outsider Danny Meringue. I guess I am kind of falling in that category now, huh? KD, blog sn- boy, you snake, blog, blog boy <laughs> slash TV boy. Right. So for people who don't know what the blog boy reference is to, that is to the Bill Simmons, Kevin Durant. It was it was a podcast, but it was about sort of three hours Simmons of just retreated. kind of meandering. Oh. When Blather. KD went on that rant, you could hear Bill Simmons like kind of recoil into his chair, like, oh God, what have I done? But at the same time in his mind, he's like, content, content, going. keep going, <laughs> don't stop. Yeah. But you could hear the uneasiness in the questions. He was just like, Ugh. This is the, like, the long and the short of it is that uh, Kevin Durant is not a big fan of people who he calls blog boys, who he believes don't watch the games and they spend all their time <laughs> looking at analytics and not actually watching games. And throughout this, it was a two part episode and throughout the entire thing, he would not let it go. He had some very strong opinions. So I am proud to be talking to a blog boy tonight, Danny Meringue, although I do know that you actually do watch the games. Here's the crazy thing. I mean, we do watch the games. Is there a single analytics person out there? Like outside of maybe the folks who work at Second Spectrum, they're the biggest data geeks on the face of planet on the face of the planet. And shout out to those data geeks because they're amazing at what they do. They make the stuff that I do look like kids play. Um, But I mean, they aren't the guys on Twitter. Like when you hear about these the 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 so-called blog boys. These guys are at most of the games. Like, I mean, the, the biggest analytics guys on Twitter, um, Matt Moore, um, Andy Bailey, Ben Dowsett, um, Senthil, uh, uh, the guys at Nylon Calculus, Positive Residual. Mm-hmm. I mean, Seth Partnow, who got a job with the Milwaukee Bucks because he was a blog boy. 
<laughs> well, and they're they're writing about the game because they love it and they're interested in it. I mean, a lot of people who start off blogging and like you you mentioned a lot of people who ended up making a living out of, you know, that started with them writing blog posts and learning yeah. about things and talking about them and describing them and getting good at it and getting recognized for that. You don't do that if you don't love the game. And not only that, they're like the <laughs> biggest consumers of, of games. Like they watch more games than anybody. They're they're basketball fiends. They've got uh, league pass. But I see. <laughs> shout out Adam Mars. Adam Mars has got a, a a man cave. I think like four TVs on the wall with different games of league pass going during the season. And and Adam played well, college ball, but he's still a quote unquote blog boy as he's the the lead editor at Denver Stiffs. But he's a heavy analytics guy. So I mean, well, this, this I, idea I is crazy. I couldn't decide if I was happy or annoyed not to be included. So I'm just going to let that one go because apparently it's blog boys. So I, oh I am god. off the hook. Oh my god. Here we go. <laughs> do, do you do you have a do you have a lady cave with four TVs cuz that would be awesome I too. Can't. <laughs> I well let's see a, a TV and a computer and a phone. That's there, usually how I watch there you go. games. There you go. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> so I, I got three. I am a dual TV. But Kevin Durant's not mad guy. at me because he was very clear. It was blog boys. He there never once was like, or girls. There you go. You get, so, the, you you know, get the free pass this time. I get, I get the free pass on this. I'll, I'll take this one. <laughs> but anyway, damn, we have a lot of blazer stuff to talk about. Speaking uh, of free passes, Sunday, the blazers, Sunday night, the blazers gave the Grizzlies we, uh, one. <laughs> well, we learned that the blazers made the playoffs for the fifth straight year. Now, uh, this is the earliest that they've clinched the playoffs for a while. So uh, that's kind of exciting. I, I don't have any party poppers. I apologize. <laughs> well, you know what? It was, it, it was kind of a, a workman like game tonight and they did what they needed to do. They didn't do it flashy. They didn't blow anybody's mind. It was a whoa, subdued. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like hey, you said, it was a subdued. Yay. But one guy was a little flashy tonight. All right. Yeah, Caleb Swanigan was awesome. Yeah, my boy Caleb did some things, but you know that's not <laughs> who I'm talking about. We, I know that's not we, what you're talking about. We got a Myers Leonard flex. We got a Myers Leonard yes, flex did. and a stink face. That is a oh. winning combination. <laughs> so for you, it was not a subdued yay. You we were jumping up and down on your couch. I bet like Tom Cruise style, weren't you? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It was it was it was some risky business stuff in here. I was sliding across the floor. Um, <laughs> It was it was a workmanlike effort. Um, Myers was really the only guy off the bench who is even worth talking about tonight. Uh, Swan again I mean, gets an honorable mention, but the rest of the guys, God, they were bad. Right. Well, let's let's get to the let's recap the week so far and kind of build up to how we ended up where we are today because it's a it's a pretty interesting story because like the team at the beginning of the week is different than the team we've got at the end of the week because of some injuries, yeah. and so let's talk about how things changed a little bit. Uh, Tuesday, the Blazers beat the Pelicans 107-103 in New Orleans. Damian Lillard had 41 points. I always feel like the. I feel like they're always losing to the Pelicans just because of that one game last year. And even though I know now the Blazers have beat them at least twice this season, I just, I'm still feeling that last game of the season last year. That one was painful. So the Pelicans are a scary team. Very happy to see them. Like I don't want to see, I don't want to see Anthony Davis in a seven game series. I just don't because the the Blazers don't have an answer for him. And the playoffs is about solving problems. One, two, and three. That's what the playoffs are about. Taking away your three best go-to plays offensively and defensively and how to exploit them. The Blazers don't have an, an answer for Anthony Davis, and that scares me. 
Is he just one of those problems or is he one, two, and three? He's at least one and two. He's probably one and two. Yeah. Has Anthony Davis grown substantially since he entered the league? I feel like he's two or three inches taller and it gets in addition to like 20 pounds. He's, pounds he's, heavier. He's, he's heavier. That's for sure. Because when he came in the league, he was Durant skinny. He was LaMarcus skinny. Gee. Um, but I, just, I, I was just looking at him going, he's when just on did the floor. That happened? Well, that's the thing. He's been on the floor. I mean, even he, he missed oh, a chunk early in the he season. Yeah. Been injured. Yeah. He's yeah. been, he's been healthy down the closing stretch. So you're seeing more of him. So all of a sudden it's like, yeah. man, he really is big. Anthony yeah. Davis when healthy is one of the three or four best players in the league. I mean, that's, yeah. he's, what he can do night in and night out, and we saw it in the month of February, and he continues to do it through March and into April now. Um, he's scary. He he yeah. is scary, and you throw in uh, Drew Holiday and the way he's been playing, and mm-hmm. he, Miller out there canning threes. It's still a matchup the Blazers should win, but I think that it's one of those kind of series where if they got matched up, it would be you're a couple rolls of the dice away from from letting it slip away because of how good Anthony Davis is. Right. It, it would, it would be tough. Yeah. Maybe next week we can talk more about the potential matchups as things become clearer. <laughs> you think um, they're going to be clear in a week. That's, well, that's funny. In a, I, think they, I think by the time, <laughs> I think in a week they will be more clear. They're the not Spurs at all right just now, but beat I think the Rockets, week. Denver and Milwaukee had one of the craziest games of the season. Like, it's going to be one of those things where, like, outside of the top three, it's probably going to be... I'm saying a week the, from now, Dan. I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately saying I, I, I think it's going to come down to the last two games of the season for seeding. I think these guys... Because well, everybody plays each other. Yeah, that's true. It is, it is very exciting. Well, so after the New Orleans game, Damian flew home to be there for the birth of his son, Damian Jr. Congratulations Shout to out, baby the Dame. family. The actual baby game. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Sweet baby Dame. I mean, that's just, it just rolls off your tongue, doesn't it? Yeah, it works. Uh, but in a, in a surprise announcement that night, Harkless, uh, turned out Harkless flew back with him because he needed to undergo an arthroscopic procedure to clean up his knee. A loose body. So, I always love the loose body. And also we need to talk about this for a second. The Blazers ran the craziest government black ops mission on the planet to sneak Harkless home. Like, nobody had heard anything about Harkless's knee other than it's bothering him a little bit. Yeah. Like, that, that's it. Not, not, oh, yeah, no, he snuck away for an MRI. Wait, what? Like, that came out of nowhere. Do you think there was a reason, or do you think they were just like, nobody needs to know about this, get freaked out about it, let's just be quiet about it? Uh, the Blazers have their reasons. They, they control the flow of information about their injuries probably tighter than almost any team in the league. Because I thought it was weird, but I couldn't think of any good reason. They, that's, just how they, that's just how they operate. But it was really— You know me. I love a good conspiracy. Oh, no. Like, there are always conspiracies with the Blazers and injuries. They, they, don't, they, they just don't release that information at all. But, like, they went deep into the playbook there to, to sneak him out. And I, I found that a little bit weird. <laughs> I, I, that, that made me worry almost a little bit more. Huh. We'll have to keep our eye on that because I, I, all I thought was, oh, well, that's convenient. <laughs> Harkless can fly back with Damien. Yeah. I it's didn't almost, think about almost whether like they or not planned it. Um, it might be pointing to anything else. Right. Huh. Interesting. Well, so anyway, without Harkless uh, and without Harkless or Damian, the Blazers dropped their last game of the road trip. It was a 108-103. Ugly, nasty, disgusting, just filth-ridden game. 
Yeah, it wasn't pretty. Although CJ did have 42 points, and we and Wade Baldwin wait, wait, wait. saw the, the court. We, we got to go back here on CJ. And this is not to take away from CJ's shine because the Blazers wouldn't have even been in that game if not for CJ's 42 points. But what happened to CJ McCollum at the free throw line in the clutch there? Oh. Something we talked about on the podcast a few weeks ago. He dropped two again. And that's, yeah, two. That's just. That, I want to say CJ shined out. He did his thing. And again, he would, they would not have been in the game if not for that massive performance from him. But that little bit kind of lurks in the back of my head because it's almost becoming a trend. So the other teams are like, well, if you're going to foul somebody, if CJ's got the ball, go ahead and foul him. Like you don't want like, like when you foul Damien, cause exactly. you know, Damien's going to get him. I, I wonder at this mm-hmm. point in time, if it's almost mental, cause we, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago last year, CJ was 91% from the free throw mm-hmm. line. He's, he was the, he had the highest free throw percentage in the league, and what he was able to do in the clutch in the clutch time was spectacular, and you just kind of come to expect that. But to see him drop those, it was just like, Grr. like mm-hmm. it, we, even if the Blazers still lost, seeing him step you up know, and, and hit those, I think would have eased some of my how, uneasiness. <laughs> how much do you think being tired? Could have contributed to that. Oh, a ton. It was the th- they looked tired. Oh, they, they were gassed in that game. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But I, either way, I didn't yeah, like I, it. I mean, that's what it comes down to. <laughs> right. So that loss to the Grizzlies. Uh, we did see Wade Baldwin on the court. So that was kind of exciting to get a glimpse of him. Shout out he baby Brandon Roy. points in 20 minutes. He was five of six and one and one of one from three. So a nice shooting night. That was his career high. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a ton of Wade Baldwin, but uh, he was he was in there and was able to get a few things done. Now, Shabazz doesn't uh, get his a- stuff together, you might. See more? Yeah, because Baz is struggling yeah. lately. He had another rough one tonight. He's, from the highs that he had a, a month ago, man, this last couple of weeks have not been kind to Shabazz. I, I really hope he breaks out He's struggling out of this. on offense. Do you see him struggling on defense as well? No, he's not one of those guys where one side of the floor affects the other. He's always going to give it to you on – well, he's, he's going to try to give it to you on, on both sides of the floor. I mean, tonight mm-hmm. there was a possession where he caught it on the wing and the Grizzlies just looked at him like, shoot it. They, mm-hmm. didn't, they didn't even run it. They gave him, they gave him the full Evan Turner treatment. <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah, you ain't you ain't hitting this, and then he proceeded to miss, and it was like, oh, that would have been a big shot for Baz's confidence. That would have been nice. Yeah, I feel like over the week there has been some spotty shooting from the offense, but I haven't looked at. Oh no, it's a dumpster the statistics. fire. Okay, well let's talk about that in a minute because I do I want to know what those are, but let's just just finish with the how the uh, week went before tonight's game. They got Blazers got back on track against the Clippers and the Clippers have actually been playing pretty well lately. They'd won four of their last five, including a win over Milwaukee and one over Toronto. It was uh, Blazers took that one, 105-96. Damian returned to the floor. He flirted with a triple-double. He had 17-11 and 7. So not like super close. I just, yeah, it's just so strange. Like everybody else in the whole world's getting them, but 
he's not. But he those doesn't 11 chase him. assists. He doesn't chase him. Those 11 assists are something I want to talk about next is because mm-hmm. in the last couple of games, there's been a lot of assists. Yep. So I don't know if that's just because, like, you know, instead of giving out cigars, he's just giving out assists to everybody or if the Blazers are trying something new or what's going on with that. Um, but the big news from that game Oh, Ed Davis sprained his ankle Gather yourself. and he's going to be out one to two weeks is I, what they say. I know. Ankle I know the folks, are hard. I know. I know the folks in, in, in the what Facebook group were, were distraught and disheveled. It was, it was a rough night for, uh, for all of us Ed Davis fans. And it was one of those things when it happened live, I saw people, few people were like, Oh, it didn't look that bad. And they showed the replay and I'm like, he's out for a week. <laughs> you, yeah. you don't, unless you're Andre Miller, you don't roll your ankle at 90 degrees and just walk, walk it off the floor. I mean, you just, you just don't. And I hope Ed gets healthy quick. Um, obviously the timing of these injuries, probably the Blazers, two more most important role players over the last few weeks have been Ed Davis and Maurice Harkless. Not exactly a great time yeah. to lose them. But I mean, if you're going to lose them, lose them before the playoffs. So hopefully they're ready in time. But yeah, just hope that it's uh, going to be enough time. Yeah, with Ed, I think we're we're safe there. Harkless, I'm a little more concerned about that kind of thing. Is one of those things where yeah, he could be ready, you know, in two ish weeks, but it can easily stretch to four very quickly with something like that because anytime you go in inflammation's a problem, stiffness is a problem, range of motion, all that stuff. Uh, just the, just the general comfort level. And then, of course, there's taking time off for basically being off of it and not really using it for a couple of weeks. That that affects your conditioning. Those are all things that, that you need to kind of keep in mind with those kind of injuries. Right. Well, hopefully at least one of them will be back by the time the playoff starts. And the Blazers are going to be in the playoffs because I, I guess they found out before the game that – everybody else had played their games yep. <laughs> and the Blazers were going to make it to the playoffs, but yeah, we're definitely going to need those. Uh, one of those two back at least by the start of the playoffs, if they're going to be able to make it through that first round, I think, I don't think they can make it through the first round without both of them. What do you think? Well, here's the thing. I think you're okay. As long as you've got one of them back because of right. the consistency and that kind of thing, the dark horse candidate here is if the Spurs somehow get matched up with the Blazers. I don't think it's likely now with the way the Spurs have been playing lately and the way they're closing the season. But if Kawhi Leonard does come back, and I'm not assuming a healthy Kawhi. I'm assuming 70% of Kawhi Leonard. 70% Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs presents a big-time problem for the Blazers because they don't have an answer for him defensively without Harkless. You can try uh-huh. to throw Aminu on him. You can try to throw Turner on him, but you're going to have Aminu probably on Lamarcus a lot more because I don't think you're going to have you would have uh-huh. like Nurkic on Lamarcus for long stretches. Pop would probably try to make it that way to try to take advantage of that matchup, pull uh-huh. Nurkic away. But I think Harkless is the more versatile guy to be able to put in there for longer stretches on on a guy uh-huh. like Kawhi. Really, any wing, which is why I know this kind of contradicts what I was saying earlier. But the Pelicans, if you don't have Harkless, are probably the more favorable matchup because the lack of wing um, uh-huh. premier players with the Pelicans probably uh-huh. favors Portland in that instance. Right. So also if they were to, I can't, I don't even remember where the standings are right now, but like if Portland was going to be a matchup against OKC, that's another one where they want, we would need yeah, to OKC's see Harkless a huge on Paul one Because you want to have as many fresh bodies as you can making life miserable for 
not only Paul George, but there'd be stretches where you're going to put a guy like Harkless on, on Westbrook. Because mm-hmm. you, you don't want Dame or CJ picking up Russell Westbrook all game. That's That, that kind of thing is exhausting. That dude wears on mm-hmm. you. He's, he's just going to mm-hmm. go downhill all night long. So um, as up and down as Harkless's play has been throughout the season, before he went down, he was easily playing his best basketball, not only of the season, but in his time in Portland, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. his contribution makes everything easier for everybody else because he, like we talked about earlier in the season, the things he wasn't doing, getting out in, in transition, get, generating easy buckets, generating steals, those hustle plays, the fact that he was doing those, you could see Portland went from dead last or second to last in fast break points in the league to, I think they went to 23rd or 24th. They, they more than doubled their production in those right. areas. Right, they, they basically didn't climb super of, high in the standings, but they they did improve their individual output considerably. Yes, yeah, when you're, you're more than doubling your production, that's huge. By, by uh-huh. the simple fact of you just decided to do something the right way. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of, it, it sucks to say it, but he just wasn't doing it earlier. And we saw some of the articles that came out from quick and Freeman about how he was just kind of sulking and miserable and not into the games because he wasn't touching the ball enough. And that's not really a selfish thing. I don't want to get too much on the Harkless rant here, but we didn't really talk to touch on this last time. Um, the idea that you have to touch the ball is, is a very prevalent thing in the NBA. Like there's very mm-hmm. few guys in the league. Ed Davis is one of them. And yeah. this, this is why I, I never get mad when Ed decides he's going to take his one post up every four games. Right. Like, it, it, for a dude that doesn't demand the ball, does all the dirty work, works his butt off, if he wants to take his post up and go to his left shoulder baby or his right shoulder baby <laughs> hook with his left hand, do the damn thing. Because right, he, let he, him do it. he works his butt off and he wants to. The same thing tonight. Caleb Swanigan got a possession where he got deep post position, and I think it was CJ had the ball, and he's just like, you know what? He worked really deep for the post position. I'm going to go ahead and get him the ball. And Caleb went to work. He missed the shot, but you reward those guys for doing that work. And I think Harkless felt like he wasn't being rewarded. But in the same sense, I don't think that Harkless was necessarily doing the work necessary to be rewarded, i.e. running the floor and being that extra effort guy earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. So with Hark- with Harkless out, you know, those are some of the – it's kind of a – you know, who is it, who, who's going to replace him on the other team? Like who's going to replace his ability to guard multiple positions to, uh, get, like you said, get in transition, who's going to replace his ability to do that, uh, on the floor. But with Ed Davis out, one of the things that I'm concerned about is when Ed Davis is out, as we know all year, Ed Davis has been playing alongside Zach Collins. Mm -hmm. So, that's been super essential to how things have been working lately. Zach Collins has played 80% of his minutes alongside Ed Davis. So with yeah, you, Ed if Davis you combine all of the other minutes that Zach Collins has played with other, other players it is, in mm-hmm. the front court, if you combine all of mm-hmm. them, it's not even a quarter of what he's played with Ed Davis. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. nuts. The, the, yeah, the next closest is Zaminu and then Nurkic and then Myers Leonard. The, um, but so the question was, is Terry Stotts going to slot somebody else in there in that, that, you know, first center off the bench so that Zach Collins can come in and be the four or is Zach Collins going to step into the four? What was Terry Stotts going to do? And we saw one possible solution tonight. We saw 
Terry Stotts send in Myers Leonard when Nurkic got in early foul trouble. Leonard came in off the bench, and then shortly after that, Collins came in for his regular shift. So we had Collins and Myers playing together. So talk a little, I know you mostly want to talk about Myers, but I'm going <laughs> to let you talk about Myers. But somewhere in there, promise me you'll talk about how you thought Myers and Collins went together and whether or not you would guess if in the future Terry Stotts is going to continue with that type of a rotation or if it's just going to be a game-by-game -game situation. What are your thoughts on that whole area? Yeah, no, honestly, the... I think it's a little bit of both as far as like the, what the end of your where question was there. Both, I think this will be the way Stotts goes, and I think it's a little bit of game by game. With the Grizzlies, you've got a more traditional center, Marcus Gasol, Davis, the, uh, Deontay Davis, obviously, um, and, you, and uh, Jarrell Martin, um, guys that aren't really going to step away from the rim a whole lot. Um, and to be honest, people can laugh and giggle all they want. Myers Leonard's comfortable in there. If you want to play in the paint, he's he's got no problem playing in the paint. He, he that's kind of what he's capable of doing consistently. Um, so that made sense. I figured Stotts would go that way. Um, I I really like seeing the fact that that Stotts has gone to Swanigan. Um, Swanigan had a couple plays tonight where um, ball movement wise, facilitating from the elbow, from the high post, above the break, some unbelievably phenomenal pinpoint precision passes um, that resulted in easy buckets. Two stick out perfectly to me. One, the, the backdoor cut where he hit C.J. McCollum on the bounce pass. In the other, mm -hmm. when they were they were fronting Nurkic on the post and he threw a, a pass over the top. Probably the, one of the best entry passes I've seen all season. Of course, it came from a big man um, to <laughs> Nurkic, leading him to the rim for a wide-open, uncontested dunk. Um, I, I like those spot minutes from Swanigan because I think he gives you some of that playmaking um, that we've seen the Blazers do more of lately. And I, I've alluded to this on Twitter over the last couple of games. There was a stretch there where the Blazers kind of struggled to get their offense going. And I think they went away from some of the side pick and roll, mid pick and roll stuff, which is where Collins, coincidentally enough, feasted on uh, against the Clippers. I mean, he had, what was it 13 in the quarter in that game? Uh -huh. um, all of it, all of it came off um, action on the backside of the play. It just dunk, mm -hmm. dunk, 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 because he was able to create so off of action. So many dunks lately. Yeah. Well, that comes off the side pick and roll between Dame and Nurkic. I mean, that's, that's what dictates that night in and night out. And once that play gets rolling, the defense slides side to side to side. And if you're going to put Collins out there, have him alongside Nurkic, have him alongside Leonard, have him alongside Swanigan. Because you know what all three of those guys do? They screen the living daylights out of people. <laughs> Those are your three best screeners, and it's not even close. I love Ed, and Ed does a great job. Ed is not as big and as, as wide as those guys. Those guys just eat up space, and they love to set screens. They, they so you like Swanigan's? You've seen enough of Swanigan's screens to like those screens? Oh, yeah. No, he's, he, he's, a, he's the kind of guy, and Ed Davis, I think, is in this mold. I just don't think he has necessarily the same uh, girth <laughs> and mm -hmm. weight to really throw into guys. And I think he looks more on, he kind of holds the screen a little bit and delays his role to pick up offensive rebounds, which is something he's innately good at. Yeah. Um, right. and I, it is, it's a little bit different look. 
Um, when Nurkic does it, he's rolling to the rim with authority. When Myers does it, we saw it tonight, he rolls to the rim hard, which is a new development this season because, you know, last year he just kind of floated about the three-point line. But that's mm-hmm. another thing is that if you have a guy like Leonard on the floor with Collins, even if you don't consider Myers Leonard a shooter, even if you have negative things to say about him, NBA players are still looking at him and going, eh, I know he can shoot. I probably need to stay a little bit higher on the screen. Now you've got Leonard pulling one side, you've got Collins pulling the other, and that middle of that floor gets wide open for a guy like Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum tonight against the Grizzlies. That came to the tune of 11 free throws for Damian Lillard. That's not a coincidence. When you spread the floor that much and you let that penetration go out, <coughs> excuse me, um, a guy like Damian Lillard is going to get to the rim one-on-one and draw contact and free throws. So do you think that Collins – do you think – Collins has reached a point where he can figure it out enough to pair up with whichever big man that like, cause I, I was kind of figuring, you know, at some point he's going to have to fly on his own. Anyway, he wasn't going to be able to come in with Ed Davis for the you know rest of his NBA career. Yeah. Probably. I thought it, by the end of this season, you know, he would have to start doing it sometime. Do you, did, did he show enough sign, you know, for a rookie, uh, that you think he'll be able to outlast this, you know, without. Yeah, Ed, no, yeah, no, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from here. And, and here's the thing. And this is not a shot at Collins. The Blazers aren't asking him to do a whole lot. The, the Blazers really mm-hmm. don't ask their power forwards to do. Well, a that's whole lot. why Stotts is so good at developing players yeah. is because he's just putting them in a position to succeed. They play within their, with, you know, play within the system and play within themselves, then they can really grow and develop. It's when yeah. they try to do everything all at once. And maybe that's kind of what Swanigan is. I think Swanigan sometimes maybe tries to play a little bit outside of himself because he's super enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, he always wants to go after it. But, it. but Collins, I think, is at the point where his lone job on defense is to be a help defender and a weak side shot blocker. That, yeah. That's his job. And that that recover out. nice at that. Yeah, he's he's long enough and quick enough to re- to recover out the three point line and challenge some shots. I can't remember who it was against the Clippers. Was it? I think it was Lou. Yeah, it was Lou. Lou Williams went up for a three and didn't realize that a seven footer was closing in on him, and he, <laughs> Collins just sent it out. And it was like mm-hmm. hmm, nice close up. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing you expect from him. on offense. The and we, I know this irritates you when I say this, but but posting up Zach Collins is a bad idea. Hitting Zach Collins on the run on a backdoor cut wide open for a dunk. Good idea. Throwing lobs mm-hmm. to Zach Collins on a backdoor cut. Good idea. Uh, drop-off passes to Zach Collins when nobody's on him. Good idea. Kick out threes on the wing, not in the corner. <laughs> Good idea. For whatever reasons, Collins has not figured out that corner three yet. Every time he takes one, I'm like, oh, God, stop doing that. Hopefully that's something he works on in the summertime because I think he can be a consistent enough threat out there to draw defenses, well, he's better than what we see from guys like Turner and Harkless earlier in the season, certainly. But, uh, I mean, you simplify that game for him. And that's, again, mm-hmm. that's not a shot at him. That's just, that's how you deal with rookies. You, you, well, you, right, and what, what we've him. seen is the game has been simplified him by his presence alongside with Ed Davis, and now he mm-hmm. doesn't had, have Ed Davis, and it seems like he's ready to take that next step to still continue to play within himself, but now to do it with other players. If you want to look for something like to evolve in Zach Collins, so like an extra contribution area that really just comes from understanding and effort, without Ed Davis, the Blazers, and they showed it tonight, are going to struggle with offensive rebounds. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Myers Leonard is 
not a guy who rebounds in a traditional sense. He rebounds like Robin Lopez. And by that, I mean, it's team rebounds. He boxes everybody he, else he, out yeah. so that other he, people can get him. He boxes out two guys at a time at times. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just, <laughs> he just eats up space and guards and wings. Guys like Aminu and Harkless feast on those rebounds. Um, if Collins is going to be that guy um, out there, I don't think it'll necessarily work too much with the way the Blazers play defense because Collins is going to be a little bit more on the perimeter regularly. But if they're looking for offensive rebounds, if he's out there with with Myers, um, I would think that they might look to send him to the glass a few times. But he's also the guy that um, is going to be their transition shot blocker. So he's he's the guy who's going to be a little, out a little bit higher, and he's going to be the earlier guy back. Myers runs the floor well. Caleb Swanigan runs mm-hmm. the floor well, um, but they're not as long and rangy and cover as much ground as quickly as somebody like Collins can, who's already going to be out further on offense anyways in transition. So um, I don't know if so it'll necessarily short- work out, but it, it, it's something that something to keep an eye on. If the Blazers do change anything, if they do want to generate those those extra chances, Collins I think is the guy to look at in those opportunities. Okay, so you, the short answer is that you think Zach Collins has the opportunity to pick up some of those offensive rebounds. Yes, that Ed was getting. There's a lot of caveats to that because of the situation sure. and where he's at. Um, but like, if, if you wanted to say like the, the extra possession plays, that's that's kind of where he could slot in as far as you seeing a little bit of growth that would manifest mm-hmm. itself in, in box score counting stats. Uh huh. Is, do you want to add anything else about what you saw out of Myers tonight? Because it it was nice to see him. I I really thought that he this just played was well. the opportunity for him to uh yeah to come in and and play well and he did. He had some dunks. He had some shots. He, he had a driving kick that resulted in an extra pass, a hockey assist for three in the corner. <coughs> um, Myers Myers played well tonight. I, I think there was maybe one time where I was like, wow, well, ah, come on. And I think mm-hmm. he got he got mixed up or mixed up on a coverage, but I also saw him bark at. I think it was Evan Turner. I can't remember. I gotta go back and look 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 at my notes. Um, but for Turner taking the the wrong coverage defensively and jumping above the screen when um, the screen never came. And I, I we talked, or at least I talked about this on Twitter. Um, maybe some other folks noticed this tonight. But it it sounded like the mics were turned up a little higher than they typically are on the court. Because I heard uh-huh. conversation on the floor all night long, and it was I, – I love that. And it's one of the things I love about sitting mm-hmm. close to the floor sometimes is that um, you get to hear the communication um, and what's going on back and forth between these guys. Myers, for all of his questions or falls or however people want to talk about it, Myers talks on the floor probably more than anybody. He directs and dictates – so many things. It's the one thing I, I would like to see more of from Nurkic. Right. You know, one thing about having a couple of players out and this is maybe me being a little Pollyanna ish, or maybe a little bit of a silver lining thing, but when I know you're shocked, right. But when, when there's disruption in the regular routine, I think everybody has to pay a little bit closer attention to what's going on and they have to talk more and they have to be a little bit more on top of things because things are shaken up. And I think that can end up being a good thing because ultimately they could have just, you know, coasted through or they, 
I think they could have run the risk of coasting through finishing things out, but instead they have to kind of double down their focus because they have had some changes to the lineup thrown at them. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed actually the last couple of games, you know how much I love pointing hadn't been seeing a lot of pointing this year. And I feel like it's because they are, you know, in better they're you know, they get each other more, they trust each other more, they understand the plays better. And so the pointing just kind of falls off a little bit, but I have noticed in the last few weeks that there, or at least the last few games, there's been more of that. And there, I saw more of it last night and, or, you know, two, two nights ago and more of it tonight. I, I, I kind of think that sometimes forcing that communication could ultimately be a good thing. You know, even though not having Mo and Ed is a bummer, you know, it makes everybody concentrate that much harder, I guess. Yeah, no, it's a reminder, I think. It, it wouldn't surprise me if that was something the coaching staff put an emphasis on. Um, if you're going to fine-tune things for the playoffs, that's how you do them. When you're mm-hmm. – because you, your practices are limited. Um, when you do get in practices, you're reviewing game tape, you're going over subtle changes to the game plan, um, you're doing some scouting, obviously, but the things you work on, they aren't – grand scheme things they're reminders they're like hey we're game 76 77 now 78 what is it 77 um Mm -hmm. let's let's go ahead and hone in on this let's lock in on this let's focus on this those are the things that you you want to kind of lock in uh on the closing stretch that way you're not looking to address them in the playoffs do you think do you think that has a why do you think they've been getting more assists the last few weeks um, in, in a nutshell, the side pick and yeah. roll. I think that's the biggest benefactor or the biggest contributor to this. So do you, you think they've been focusing in that particular play and that particular play generates a lot of, it's where all the place. It's where all the gravity is. Anytime you have Dame mm-hmm. on one side of the floor, CJ on the other and Nurkic rolling down the middle, it results in good things. Now Nurkic had a couple bad catches on a, and a couple bad passes that were thrown him, not just tonight, but over the last couple games, the Memphis game in particular where they dropped the game, CJ had Nurkic on the roll, and he threw him a couple fastballs like at his hips and at his knees. And I was like, yes, it's easy for people who are watching to say he's an NBA player. He should grab that ball. That, that's not how seven-footers work, folks. <laughs> you put the ball at their chest. That's where you put the ball. You don't put the ball down low and make a big man bend over to get the pass. Uh, that that's my only criticism of that over the last couple of games, last couple of weeks. But as far as the offense itself and generating more opportunities for everybody, um, they're still getting good looks. The big one here obviously is the three point percentage is dropping and yet the assists are still flowing. Why? Because the ball's moving inside, outside to side. And okay. that is all based on the gravity basically of Dame, CJ and Nurkic. Uh, they, I mean, if you look at what their assist numbers could be if they were hitting their threes, good God. We, we talked about this earlier, and you said you want to kind of come back to it. So I'm going to, I'm going to touch on it now. Yeah. Over the last seven games, the Blazers have the second-worst three-point shooting percentage in the entire league. Ooh. 29.3%. Oy. That's awful. That's brutal. Well, and what's the number of shots? Uh, where are they in terms of shots that they've gotten off? Because it seems like they're getting plenty. They're getting 32 threes a game. And where is that in the hierarchy? Oh, as far as where or it sits in the, in the league? Yeah, uh, that's sorry, ni- in the league. That's, that's ninth. Okay, so, so they're getting plenty. <laughs> so they're taking the they're ninth continuing molds. to get plenty. They're just not hitting him. So yeah. why aren't they hitting him? I, I don't know. If I knew that one, I they would pay me a lot of money to fix those things. I wish I knew. 
Because they're getting looks. Bad I mean, luck. Tired shooters just happen to be. Uh, re- regression not- to the mean. Sh- Evan Turner had been hot there for a while. And Evan Turner over the last uh, two weeks has front rimmed quite a few threes. Uh, Collins has cooled down quite a bit. Connaughton has just struggled. Yeah, Connaughton has. Connaughton and Napier have yeah. been struggling a lot. Connaughton has so looked bad at Oh, yeah. But Dame and CJ find other ways to score, especially Dame getting to the mm-hmm. free throw line. Connaughton mm-hmm. has had, he has Luke Babbitt disease. Every shot he takes looks good. It feels mm-hmm. good. And then it hits the back of the rim. And it's like, for the love of God, Pat, please make that. And he's just taking back up two inches. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. It's just, I don't know if it's a confidence thing. It's a mental thing or what, because it, like I said, it looks good and he's taking the right shots. There's been maybe, of his past 23s, maybe two of them were questionable threes. Mm-hmm. Like, he's stepping in, in rhythm, on a good catch, with a defender far enough away to where it shouldn't bother his shot, and he's missing it. There, he's taking all the shots that Alan Crabb wouldn't take last year. Right, he's not hesitating. No. You know, how that's, that's my refrain. At least he's not hesitating. <laughs> I will never get mad at a missed shot that was the right shot. That as long as you, I, I'm a big proponent of, if you keep taking the right shots, they will They'll pay off in. in the long run. Mm-hmm. Now there gets to a point where somebody taking that shot is no longer the right shot. Like career 30% okay. three point shooters That's continuing to jack up threes for no reason. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, Rondo for years was a terrible three point shooter. And yet he continued to take them. Westbrook is a terrible three-point shooter, yet he continues to jack them up. And it's like, that's just, that's not a good shot. Like, defenses are fine with you jacking up threes when you're a 32% three-point shooter, especially if you're a volume shooter. It's like, that's just a dumb idea. Um, Dame, I think, is when people question that, like, he's not a high-percentage shooter. Dame is taking, the degree of difficulty shots on Dame's threes are probably the highest in the league. I mean the stuff you that think he so? yeah I mean the stuff that he does step back fade away contested and he's still shooting a respectable percentage while taking ten threes a game I mean that's that's difficult to do if Dame was taking nothing but Kyle Korver JJ Redick spot up catch and shoot threes right I, okay I have a pretty, I see what you're saying pretty solid idea that Dame would be a high percentage three point shooter. Right, if he was taking all the threes that Pat Connaughton is taking. Yeah, exactly. Like these guys that mm-hmm. come off screens that are catch-and-shoot shooters, Chris Middleton's of the world. Um, I have a, I'm pretty certain Dame would be an above 40% three-point shooter, but that's not what his role is. His role mm-hmm. is to take difficult shots to bend the defense. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. it's supposed to do. Um, but yeah, the, this, the, the missing of threes is really bothering me because they, they need to figure this out. That if that yeah. if the good luck winning playoff series shooting like that. Well, hopefully it all comes together all at once in the month of April for everybody who's been struggling. But considering that the Blazers now are going to the playoffs, my question is, what are you most concerned about in terms of things that the Blazers can control? So like What's on the scouting reports of the other teams right now who are looking, going, okay, we're, we might be having to take on Portland. I need to start compiling information. Um, what are they gathering? <coughs> Excuse me. The 
If I'm any team playing Portland, the game plan that I am taking is the one that Houston employed. And now that's easy to say because they have Chris Paul and James Harden, but I'm talking about defensively. Make the role players beat you. And that sounds okay. simple, but you blitz everything Damon CJ does. The counter to this, and this is why I think Portland has been going to this so much, is that side pick and roll. You can force the ball to one side of the floor, but if you start forcing the Blazers to the sideline over and over, to the baseline over and over again, they're going to have a counter waiting for us on a skip pass. They're going to have Nurkic rolling down the middle wide open. There's somebody's going to be really, really, really open if you do that all game long. And you have to have the personnel necessary to stop that. And a lot of teams around the league do have that personnel, and that's kind of where Portland is, is kind of shorthanded, and that's at those long, rangy wing positions. Mm-hmm. If you look at what Houston has, they've got Mbamute, they've got P.J. Tucker, they've got Ariza, they've got guys, and Capella plays the passing lanes better than almost any center in the league. Um, so you think it's Blitz, Damon, C.J., but it, but give more room to Nurkic, Aminu, To everyone not named Turner, Damon, C.J. Yeah. yeah. And so by blitzing, do you mean put like, put put two men on them at all times. I you're, mean, like you're put pushing three people on there too. Yeah. You bet. Basically know. what you're doing is you're playing three on two. You're playing above the screen. You're going, uh, you're going above and pushing to one side of the floor or the other, not letting them get to the middle. You're hedging hard on, on the inside, the inside defender uh, on any pick and rolls. And I would like to see the Blazers start working on some counters to that, which they're not going to show a ton of, because they don't want that stuff on tape. Not um, right now. No, right? Is that what you mean? Um, yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm almost certain that in practices, those are things that they're working on. But if, So do Damon and CJ stay close together so they pull everybody over to one side so that everybody has more room? No, you, or you, do they one side does one of them the have other. to keep running? Yeah, you've got it. Well, keep running, but on the other side of the play. And that's why you see that weave play that Portland does so much above the mm-hmm. three-point line. Um, right, I love that. The dribble handoff. CJ runs around. Yep, yeah. you, you the dribble handoff. You get the weave action. That's so the defense can't play above that because if you cheat above that, one of those guards immediately darts to the rim, and now mm-hmm. your defense, your defense has to collapse, and the other guys still above the three point line. Now you're now you're in a pickle. Now you've got either Dame or CJ going, or one of the wings cutting from the corner inside on the backside of the play for an uncontested dunk or you've got one of the guards above the three-point line wide open. And those, those are the kind of counters I like to see. Um, but again, this all comes off the side pick and roll. That, that's, I think that's where Portland is, is, is the most deadly. When you get Damon CJ particularly working, um, this is a little highlight to something that I'm going to pop off on, on TV tomorrow. Um, when you talk about screen assists, Nurkic is one of the top players in the league when it comes to screen assists. The only guys who have more are guys like Jokic, guys like Andre Drummond, Stephen Adams, Rudy Gobert. So a, a technical or not a non-technical explanation of a screen assist, is that when s- someone sets a screen in order to free up somebody so that they can take a shot and make it? Is they that get, what a exactly. screen assist is? They get a resulting basket off of the screen. 
So it's not a pass. It's a nope. positioning yourself to free somebody up so they can take that shot. To get free, to get to the rim. And I don't think it calculates it. I have to double check on it before I fully pull everything for tomorrow. But I don't think it also factors in free throws. So uh, generating a free throw. Mm-hmm. Now, NBA teams have that stuff at, a, at another level. Um because that's important data to have. But mm-hmm. like I said, Nurkic is huge in that factor. And that's been the reason he's huge is because again, something we talked about earlier, he's a great screen setter. He's so mm-hmm. big and just wide <laughs> that it's very difficult to get around him. Um, and the Blazers rely on that. And it's evident in, and how this, these numbers bear out. So everybody always loves to complain about how the other teams always are setting moving screens. Now, be honest with me. How are the Blazers in terms of their whether or not they're setting moving screens? Nurkic is easily the biggest offender of moving screens. Even he's not that bad. He uh, always seems like he, he moves because he's halfway on his way to run the other way. And that's actually part I mean, of it. I guess that's, 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 it's, it's a little trick. You, you set the solid screen, and then you, you move your way towards the rim as, as kind of a natural motion to, to block out the defender. Um, but mm-hmm. there are better ways to do it and not get caught. Um, nobody on the Blazers really has the Kevin Garnett, Andrew Bogut level of illegal screens. Um, I would say that the one that comes the closest is not Nurkic, but Ed Davis. Ed will mm-hmm. grab and reach into your soul and hold you <laughs> from time to time. Uh, but he gets caught for it. There's two things that Ed Davis gets called for in fouls. Terrible, terrible. Oh my God, you could you had to be blind to miss those moving screens and over the back fouls. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things Ed gets called for. And his over the back fouls are not really over the back as much as let me put my hand in the middle of your spine and push you forward four feet. <laughs> those <laughs> get are the, you out of there. Yeah, those are the two <laughs> those are the two levels of Ed Davis fouls. Um, otherwise, Ed's pretty clean on those. Collins, uh, this this is a shot. Collins doesn't set screens. <laughs> he sets glancing blows. Um, well, he's only like the size of a two by four <laughs> yeah, right now. <laughs> that, like, I mean, if if the Blazers are going to send anybody to uh, overseas for some for some HGH treatments, so we, were, we were joking about this the other day. He he's he's the most likely candidate. If if he came back looking like like sliced alone after a trip to Germany, I wouldn't be disappointed. Um, his, so, but in terms, so in ter- okay, so he's not big enough. No, to, he's, he's he's just not set big substantial enough. Substantial screens right now. No. Although, who did he knock just the heck drop straight down on the floor earlier? There was somebody who ran into him like he run into a brick wall, and everybody was shocked, including Zach Collins. I, I <laughs> missed that one. I don't I don't remember. Oh that my one. gosh! I'm, I must have walked I away. I can't remember. I'm it was ask- about halfway through the season. It was one of those ones oh, where you okay, were probably early, crying early, the whole earlier, game earlier in the year. Okay, gotcha. I thought you were talking about the last couple games. I was like, I have no idea when this happened. Um, No, I I feel like it was maybe against the Clippers or or somebody. But anyway, but how about in terms of timing and like like where he is setting his screens? Uh, It's a it's it's a weak proponent of his game right now. I Mm -hmm. I just I don't count on it. A lot of his stuff as far as his screen setting is above the three point line in those triple handoff scenarios and and those weird scenarios where. It's not necessarily about how hard or efficient you set the screen as much as it is about making the defender work to get over consistently. Right. So his aren't more likely to turn into an assist. They're more likely to just help the movement of the ball. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's facilitating the, the, the 
creation of space by a little blow here, a little little pop of the shoulder here. But yeah, Zach's Zach's not freeing anybody up with any you know bone setting screens. And, and again, mm-hmm. that, that's just he's just not big enough. He, he's he's got to put on probably 25, 30, 30 40 pounds <laughs> before yeah. that before that really even becomes a, a reality. So we don't usually talk a lot about upcoming games, but there's some important ones on the docket this week. Every the one of these from, saved from Dallas. here on out. Well, yeah, I mean, well, and even then, you know, nothing is given, but again, I think playing against Dallas under, uh, you know, with undermanned is going to be a good thing because they're going to have to concentrate a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. But after Dallas on Tuesday, they play the rockets and then the spurs. So what do you think is going to be the key for the Blazers besides the miraculous return of Ed Davis and or Mo Harkless? Take care of business at Dallas. Don't do anything stupid. Um, Rockets might be resting players by then. Here's the thing about the Rockets. I hope the Rockets are playing at full strength. I really want the Blazers to get an opportunity to get a win against these guys. Because in all likelihood... Well, <coughs> they won't mind. be though. Gold, I mean, they're Golden they're State's going to be the two up. seed. Yeah, Golden State's going to be the two seed. So Portland's not going to see him in the second yeah. round. But I, I, I think getting a win against those guys if they were fully healthy would be a would nice just be little, a good enough confidence. Yeah, it's a little yeah. little bit of a booster. Um, the Spurs game, I think, is huge. Again, it's a confidence thing. Anytime you beat San Antonio in San Antonio, that's you know that's a little notch on the belt. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, man, I remember when this Texas triangle think? trip was just hell. Thankfully, Dallas sucks mm-hmm. this year because ending your season with well, four out of five on the road. Don't speak too soon, Dan. Don't, uh, hey, you're don't least, act like it's a given. There's it's nothing not a, given it's here. It's not a given because God, Lord knows we know that with Portland. But this this trip used to be just right. hell on earth. And their, their end of this trip is at Denver, where in the past it's either New Orleans or Memphis who, you know, Memphis in the last couple of years has been a nightmare. So you had, you know, four and five or four and six, and they were all playoff teams, and you got done with that that road trip, and it was just like, oh, okay, can can we have, like, three days off, please? Mm-hmm. So thankfully that yeah, won't it, be an issue. Denver's almost kind of back into – they're they're almost – they're in ninth again, right? They're – Showing signs of life. God, I don't even know now. It's just... I don't even know what Denver's doing. Yeah, Denver is in the ninth place. They're showing signs of life. I'm like, what are you guys... What are they even doing? I don't understand what's happening in Denver. It'll be interesting. So they could be fighting for everything. We we The Blazers could hit Denver when Denver is trying desperately to make it into the playoffs. And after we knocked them out of the playoffs... What didn't we knock him out of the playoffs last year? Yeah, Nurkic is famous. knock him out. I think yeah. officially they they didn't, but they for all <laughs> intents and purposes they did. I mean the difference I like between to think that you, he's matured enough. No, no, no. I I like that Nurkic. Tell him to have, uh, a, have a good summer again. But I mean the no, difference between six and nine like right that. now is two games, dos. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's gonna be a fun so, yeah. stretch run. So the, the long and the short of it is that the Blazers will probably be playing against a Denver who's very determined. Good to God, win. if the playoffs started And then big, they come Portland's... back and finish with the, against the Jazz. Yeah, Portland's looking at it right now. Oh, God, no. No, not a first-round series with the Jazz. Ugh. Right, that's that's what it looks like to, if the playoffs started today. Good we God. We would be so tired of the Jazz. 
You would even be tired of the jazz. No, even I don't want. I don't. I don't want to see my Donovan adult son. Mitchell. No. Yeah, you'll get tired of him. Even you'll get tired of him. But so, so how many do you think that how, the the are the Blazers going to win fifty games? The Blazers are going to win fifty games. <sighs> the Did Celtics. I just, like, mess it up? No, I was on that boat two weeks ago. The Celtics lost and the Grizzlies lost. Those two were. <sighs> yeah. I mean, they only have to win two more. Okay, so we're given Dallas. Houston, if they're resting, is probably a win. Uh, San Antonio, the way they're playing right now and positioning, uh, that's a loss. Denver for their lives. Oh, we got to win that. The Blazers are going to win that one. Just on spite, I'm going to say Portland wins that and gets to 50. Then that last game against the Jazz, you've got the three seeds sewn up. Everyone rests. You've got 50. Who cares? (laughs) And we're going to see, they'll see the Jazz again in three or four more days anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) that'll be, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I really did. I was a bad fan and did not believe at all that the Blazers were going to, you know, even be knocking on the door at 50. I think I said 45. I thought if they came out and played better than they did the, you know, got a better record than they did the first year that they were together. So that we you know the year they had 44 wins. I was like, okay, if they can actually put together that like on purpose, not just because nobody knew what was coming in. <laughs> As opposed to stumbling because, into it. Right. Well, I mean, because you know, that, that, that's what happens sometimes. Like, you know, when you're, when you're brand new and you form together and people really aren't expecting you to come in and you have good chemistry and it happens to be good, you know, you overperform, right? And then, you know, they got 41. So I thought, okay, if they could on purpose put together 45 wins, that would be pretty good. So they've already surpassed that 49, 50. I don't know. I'll be pretty, I'm pretty happy with that. I still, how important is it to you that they win a round in the playoffs? Oh, it's, is it like a disaster if they don't? Yeah. In in my mind, no matter who they play. Yeah. With the, with the way they're playing, with the way they've played for the last couple months and the way the West is with all the injuries, it, there, there's not a matchup where Portland shouldn't be favored. Yeah, there's what some if dark they horse. Have... If they, even if they don't have Harkless, you still have Dame CJ okay. and Nurkic. Um, okay. The only one here that I would call a dark horse would be if the Spurs got back Hawaii, but I just don't see that matchup happening. Um Utah should not. The, Utah will get some games. I, I think that would be a series uh-huh. that would go four two, just because Utah's a, just a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> Minnesota, there's rumors of Jimmy Butler coming back. That scares me. If uh-huh. Butler comes back and Portland doesn't have Harkless, that's that's tough because there's no other Blazer that matches up with with Jimmy Butler well enough to to be a problem. But my question is if, if Minnesota has Jimmy Butler, if San Antonio has Kawhi and the Blazers don't win those, is that a failure to you? Yeah. Is that a disaster? Yeah. Even when those teams are full strength. Yeah. I guess I have to wait and see how they play because I am, I I really, really want them to win a series, but I am willing to, 
if they, you know, if, if there's some circumstances that happen that you, prevent you them want, from you winning. You want to have that silver lining there. I know. I'm gonna. You know, yep. Whatever. There may be one. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I get it. Like, they've been playing well enough that, you have you know, to like deliver you said, on they expectations. should be favored. You have to deliver on expectations. That's how you grow in this league. So, but you have to, do you have to deliver on the expectations that you have going into it or like from the expectations from the beginning of the season? No, I, think I guess you were your expectations at the beginning of the season that they would win a series at first, the first round. I thought they would get matched up as a five or six seed and have a legitimate chance in the first round. Uh-huh. Okay. So you actually had them at a higher seed than I did, which is kind of funny. Yeah, but, you we, know when me, we started I the season, to... I, I said 46 and a half wins. <laughs> that was the number that I kept landing on. I like to hedge my bets so that I can be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, no, not so. me. I like to be disappointed. What can I say? <laughs> well, I think that pretty much covers all the questions that I had for you this week. We should probably wrap it up here. And... um wait until see what happens next week. See how the Texas triangle road trip goes. You know, not only is anything that, else you want to talk about. I'll say that Texas triangle road trip is uh, is a, is a great food triangle too. Mm-hmm. Love it. I highly recommend. Yeah. If, if you're going to ever go on a blazers road trip, that's, that's, that's a good road trip because the food is great. In yeah. City. That would be fun. Well, the next time we talk uh, next Sunday, I'm going to be in Memphis. So I'm going to be eating some, or not Memphis, Nashville. So I'm going to be eating some good food next Sunday make, right before we talk. Make the trip talk. to Memphis. Go, go see the good folks in Memphis. I would like to. I just am not going to have time. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Anyway, got anything <coughs> gotta, else gotta, you want to bring up? Got to put your prayers out. I'm to, sure that to you've got some later. kind of, what? Um, there are some things working. There, there are some things working. Um, possibly, maybe you, you could see me making some more radio appearances here, um, as the playoffs approach, I'll have some more on that here in the next couple weeks, but that's a little tidbit, uh, Blazers Outsiders will be there all throughout the playoffs, um, we are wrapping up the Blazers Outsiders contest tomorrow when this podcast drops Monday night. So be sure to tune in. We'll have the two final contestants for our guest host spot. Um, I wish I knew who they were, but, you know, they don't tell me anything. I just show up <laughs> and do TV things. <laughs> There's a little peek behind the scenes. Um, but, yeah, we're just kind of grinding along, having some fun. So, uh Please hop in. Uh, we're on Facebook Live. We are live on Rip City Radio 620, obviously on NBC Sports Northwest Channel 737 uh, if, you have, if you're a Comcast subscriber. But if you're not, Facebook Live, NBC Sports, or NBCS Northwest, facebook.com backslash NBCS Northwest at 7 p.m. on non-game nights. So we'll be there tomorrow night for a special appearance because Trailblazers Courtside is going to move to Wednesday just this week. So, oh, really? Okay. Yep, so I'll be there tomorrow night um, to uh, give you a bright, shining, awful face to look at for half hour. So enjoy. <laughs> awesome. Well, you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter, and I write for Blazer's Edge. I had one today, actually, about who was going to take the place of, uh, of Ed Davis while for as a mentor to Collins, and if that was actually going to happen. 
So I'll be continuing to write for Blazer's Edge. And again, find me on Twitter. You can also send us an email at blazersedgepod at, uh, sorry, it's not at, it's blazersedgepod at gmail.com. And emails are really hard to give out. So please write us your emails or tweet us. We love to hear from you. We got a lovely letter tonight from a man and his daughter who listened to our podcast. Shout out, Olivia. Thanks for listening. And Dan, I guess I'll talk to you next week. That sounds good. Awesome.